peace of Christ be with you. As we settle into this place, I invite you to slow down, to take a couple of deep breaths, to allow yourself to open up and recognize the presence of the living spirit in, with, and among us now. Amen. Just as a reminder, uh, the 8.30 service, we've gone mask optional. If that feels like a better situation for you, we'll be reevaluating this week as the schools make their reevaluation. For today, at least, we're still masking in here. Thank you for complying with that. Friends, of all days, today is a day to worship in beloved community. So let us worship the living God together. Please rise in body and spirit for the call to worship. Behold the light within all light, substance within all substance. Notice the eternal within all things temporal, the presence within all that is. God is here. Christ is here. Spirit is here. Let us make Join in our opening hymn together. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and filled the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained a sword to 
got all my got all my pieces here and so now I can welcome you to worship here at Westminster it is good to be here worshiping with you today if this is your first time with us a special welcome to you it is good to be together uh, we have coffee and tea and some snacks set up outside in our patio and I do invite you out there following worship I especially invite you maybe to find someone you have not yet met and introduce yourselves a great chance after worship to do that let's share now in our community prayer let us pray together no matter how hard we try to contain you oh God Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, may forgiveness be your friend, may mercy be your true companion, for in Christ we are forgiven, we are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. And as we continue in our time of prayer, this is the time where we share with each other our joys and concerns, share with each other what is on our hearts and minds today. Certainly we all come with the people of Ukraine on our hearts. Um, after we have finished our sharing time, I will actually be sharing a prayer with you from the Pres... Ooh, let me look it up so I don't say it wrong. The Presbyterian Peace Fellowship, who's offered a, a prayer uh, for peace in Ukraine. So I'll share that in, in a few moments. But certainly, certainly prayers for Ukraine. In addition, we have uh, three memorial services coming up in the month of March. We mentioned a couple of them last week. Uh, the service for Peter Wirtz on March 12th at 11 a.m. For Pat Hervey on March 18th, which is a Friday at 1 p.m. And then for Mary and Paul Coons, March 19th at 11 a.m. That will be going out um, on the e-news. I saw some of you madly scribbling that down. It'll be going out on the e-news. If you didn't get it and want it, just give me an email. I can give that to you. Three memorial services in a week means a lot of work for our deacons. So one of the ways that we can be community together is if you are able to offer some assistance um, on, for any of those receptions, some snack food or to be here present, um, let me know or let Sandra Masson know. She's here. There she is right there. Sandra is our deacon that's organizing all of that. Um, so I share that during our joys and concerns um, because certainly we hold all those families in our prayers. And it is a joy of how we come together as a community to honor and remember those very important lives. And my final joy to share with you is um, even throughout the pandemic, we've had a team that's been uh, helping to provide food at Voyager Carmel monthly in addition to our special holiday meals. And I think today, Carol, am I right? Is today one of the days when you all are offering a burrito food to, to those at Voyager Carmel? And what a joy that even through these difficult last two years, that program has continued um, and is such an important ministry. So a joy and a thanksgiving to those of you who are participating. So how about you? What's on your hearts and minds today? What, what should we be praying for and about today? Yeah. Michelle's mom, who's going to have knee replacement surgery tomorrow. Others? Yeah. Lisa.
Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. If, if you couldn't hear that, Lisa had, had two prayers. Her dad in his, in his 80s, um, who was diagnosed a few months ago with an acute leukemia and has been struggling and not feeling well. So prayers for him. And then for his longtime partner, also in her 80s, who was hit by a car recently and has a shattered pelvis and is really not doing well. So prayers for both of them and prayers for you, Lisa, and your family as you support both of them. Yeah. Others? Sherry? Absolutely. So Sherry shares, um, as she and Rob and Liam last week were driving back from Stinson Beach, um, another car on the road flipped right in front of them um, and thankfully didn't hit them. Thankfully, the people in the car were okay. Sherry's just noting, you know, how, how much can happen in a split second and giving thanks that in that moment everyone was okay. Yeah, scary. Yeah. Welcome. Multiple friends and family visiting today. It is good to have you all with us. Yeah. All right, let's take just a few moments of quiet. There certainly is a lot on our hearts and our minds. And then again, oh, Jeff has one more. Yes. Jeff is remembering that um, our, our longtime beloved nursery worker, Muha Bear, has friends and family right in the area in Ukraine where, where all the violence is happening. So it's a reminder that it's, it's a very personal thing. It's not necessarily something happening way over there. So on that note, I share with us a prayer. It's written by the Reverend Emily Brewer, Executive Director of the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship. So let us have a few moments of quiet, and then we will pray. Oh God, we sigh. We sigh because words cannot express our anguish, our hurt, our despair, knowing that siblings in Ukraine are fleeing their homes for their lives, that the cities and towns that hold memories and culture and history may be destroyed. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans that the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words, and so we sigh. May our sighs remind us that we all share the same air, that what impacts one of us impacts all of us, that life is precious to God. May our sighs be a prayer for every Ukrainian who worries about surviving today, for those who will not survive this invasion, for those who will survive and be forever changed by the trauma of war, for those Russian soldiers who question their orders, May our sighs be a prayer for nuclear deproliferation, for an end to the sin of imperialism and colonialism. May our sighs be a prayer for truth, peace, and solidarity to guide each of us. May our sighs be a prayer for Ukraine and the whole world. May our sighs fill our body with air to breathe through grief and fear and fill us with courage and connection so that we are ready to act in solidarity with Ukraine for an end to this war and all war. And now, O oh God, hear us as together we pray the prayer your son taught us, saying, Our Father.
invite any of our children who are worshiping with us today to join me towards the front here for our time of discovery. Thanks, Coach. Gentlemen. Coach. Yeah. Coach. Uh, lifted my spirits. So, he didn't, didn't know Bethany is a coach. I do. She's an award-winning, award-winning coach. So. Um, yeah, you'll have to, everyone should ask her about it after the service. So, um, so we are going to do something fun today. We are going to paint. But before we do that, I wanted to talk about why we're painting. And this is the middle schoolers idea. We, we pray together for each other. That's something we just did. And sometimes we might wonder, well, why is it important that we pray for each other? You know, we're praying to God, and part of it is, it's as if there's like, a, there's like an invisible force that where we lift each other up, and we hold each other up on the inside. And sometimes you just have a bad day, or something sad happens, and you can't really see it, but you feel a certain way. And then somebody comes along and they give you a hug and they kind of lift up. It's like this invisible force kind of goes into your spirit and your heart and your soul and it makes you feel better. But other times we need more than that. You know what it's like? It's kind of like, here, you can stay there. So. Sorry, it's, uh, it's like lifting weights in a way. And see, this is just five pounds. Um, Wait, wait, well, here, I'm just wondering, uh, Benjamin, do you think you could, can you hold this? Can you lift this up? Wow. Whoa, five pounds. Okay, okay, let's just set that here. Okay, hang on. Okay, and let's leave that there, Theo. Okay, let's leave that there. Okay, if you're showing off now, you're not going to be able to in a minute because. Okay, here, let's see. I've got 10 pounds here. Okay, oh, you want to try that, it. Liam? Okay. No, wait, wait, let's let one at a time here, okay? Let's see. Ooh, very good. Okay, nope, we're just going to leave it here. You want to try it too, Ben? Okay. Watch out, here we go. Oh, there you go. Okay, let's set that here. Now, sit down or you're going to ruin the whole thing for everyone. Okay? I can say that because they're my children. They're my children. Okay, so, all right, so, here we go. So, okay. We're going to go 15 pounds. No, I think Do you want to try, Liam? Try, okay. Ready? All right. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, oh. Oh, both. Oh, here we go. Whoa! Benjamin, you want to try? Okay. Okay. Sorry. Oh! Okay, Liam, could you maybe help Benjamin? Could you maybe try it together? So here, what if, Benjamin, here, you grab on. And Liam, you grab on and go together. There you go. You're working together. Okay. Let's set that down here. 
because the reason, I'm sorry about my microphone. Come on. One of the reasons we do that is because you may have a bad day and other people, and you can lift it up by yourselves. Sometimes you have a worse day, and if you really try hard, you can make it better on your own. But then other days you have an even worse day, and you need some help from others. And sometimes you have an even worse day. <laughs> an even worse day. And, and so maybe, how many of you does it take to lift this one up? Here, let's see. Okay, let's see. This is, you're close, yeah. It's you're 20. close, 20, there you go. Okay, you can Dive do it. Out. All right, Liam, are you feeling strong? I'm gonna yeah. try, please. Okay, Liam has proven his strength. He can handle a lot of problems in his life. He is a strong young man. He's strong on the inside. So, Liam, we gotta test your strength here. Here we go, we got, okay, Liam. Here we go. Here we go, okay. Hey. Sit down, be patient. All right, Liam. Let's okay, see. Try. It's 45 pounds. Of, 45 here, let's see. Pounds. You got up this side. Okay. Can okay. can we just all work together here? Oh, and everybody grab one. Okay, you ready? Me. On three. One, two, three. There you go. Look at that. All right. There you go. Okay, I got it. Okay. You can have a seat. There we go. Okay. There we go. Okay. There we go. Here, I'm just gonna here for you two. I'll just sit right here. Okay. Alright, so so sometimes we carry things in our heart and they make us sad. So sad it's like holding up this huge weight. And we need each other's help. And so we pray for each other. We pray for each other so that we can lift each other up. And so today, we're going to go paint a box that's going to help us to pray for each other, okay? Yeah, my dad told me about this. Good, I'm glad they did. My dad told me about this. You follow me, my wife Jen, some of our high schoolers. We are all going to the same place. We're all going to the upper room today to paint. So let's go. I can do it. I don't want that one time. Can I lift it up? At home. Oh, why those only came up to eight pounds in all of my years of working out. I've only used the pink one. So many things hiding in there. <laughs> I won't even try. First scripture reading is from Luke's gospel. Listen for how the spirit may be speaking to you through these words. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took him with him, Peter, John, and James, and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory, and the two men stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it good for me to be here? Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days, told no one of any of the things they had seen. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
been nice to have a few laughs this morning on a day where things feel so heavy. Laughter is a, a form of resistance. Don't forget that. Resistance to despair and all that threatens uh, this world. Bethany, I'm so glad you fixed Dom's mic. Where did she go? Oh, there she is. That's kind of how Bethany functions in this church. Something goes wrong and there she is and it's magically better. <laughs> what a shame it would have been not to hear your voice. It's so great to have you singing with us again. I do want to say a word before uh, the second reading about Ukraine. I did not rewrite my sermon in light of the events, in part because I long ago made a commitment not to do that, because often what happens is you get unhealed thoughts from me, not fully formulated, and you know, others can be the first to say things, but I don't think you need me to rush to be the first. But that's not to say my heart isn't aching, as your hearts are probably aching with all kinds of feelings. So I do want to offer just maybe a few tips that might help us navigate this as faithful people as we watch with bated breath to see what's unfolding on the other side of the world. So five or six tips here. The first is to pray. It's so obvious, but sometimes forgotten. Let us be in prayer for Ukrainians. And for that matter, let us be in prayer for the Russians. We're called to pray for all. It doesn't mean you pray for the same thing for all people. Prayer is not being a cheerleader. It's inviting the divine presence. And everyone needs the divine presence right now. At our 830 service, a man beautifully prayed for Putin. That God might rid his heart of evil. Powerful. So pray. Two, stay informed, but do not inundate yourselves. Set boundaries around the amount of news you take in. I read this weekend somebody said, don't confuse hyperventilation for caring. Those are good words. So take it enough so you may be informed, but not so much that you may be sickened in a way that's not helpful. Obviously stick to reputable news organizations and reporters and substantiated reports. It's easy to get whipped up by social media, much of which isn't verifiable. So be careful with your sources, which is always good advice. And be careful if you have children around you what you're sharing and how you're sharing it. Just be intentional about that. Three or four, depending on how you're counting. Connect with loved ones. And not only about this issue, but stay connected. More connection now is better than less. So use it as a chance to reach out to someone. Next, go outside. Be outside, be grounded in nature and the God that so many of us find there, putting our feelings in a wider context. And last, engage constructively in your free society. If this hasn't raised your sense of the value of a free society, I don't know what will. Maybe you're already involved, but if you're not, find a way to be a constructive participant in our shared home. And with that, the second reading. This is from Hebrews, the seventh chapter, a selection of verses. It's a bit of an obscure passage, but I'll unpack some of it in the sermon itself. Listen for the Spirit who's here and who is speaking. This king Melchizedek of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he was returning from defeating the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned one-tenth of everything. His name in the first place means king of righteousness. Next, he is also king of Salem, that is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. 
It is even more obvious when another priest arises resembling Melchizedek, one who has become a high priest not through a legal requirement concerning physical descent, but through the power of an indestructible life. For it is attested of him, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Here's a powerful quote attributed to Albert Einstein. The most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or hostile universe. Now that gets to the heart of it, does it not? Fundamental question about existence. Is the universe friendly or is it hostile? And you can tell by the phrasing of the question, it's being implied that we should answer in the affirmative. That's part of what faith is all about. Otherwise, this is all meaningless. And if it's meaningless, then it starts to feel helpless. Is it hostile or is it not? And the fact that Einstein asked this question, one of the smartest we've ever known, it heightens it even more, the asking of it and our answering of it. The only catch is I can't find any evidence that Einstein actually said it. Like so many quotes that paper college dorm rooms or t-shirts some of us may have worn at various times, it's probably not true. You will find that quote repeated all over the internet. Google it today if you're looking for something to do. And legitimate people quoting it. Never with a citation, though, of where Einstein supposedly said it. And the only place I found that tried to attribute it was an aggregate site, Goodreads, and they labeled it mis uh, misattributed to Einstein. So it doesn't seem like it was his question. But it is our question to an extent, isn't it? Don't we wonder if there's something good at the center of this? The pandemic, I was talking with someone the other day about how it's really shaken our sense of what we're capable of and how good all this is. Ever seeing, after seeing so many failures for our ability to care for one another, is there good at the center of this or not? Is the universe friendly or not? You could say that these two readings are an attempt to answer that question in the affirmative, from the perspective of our Christian faith. The first reading you heard is an account of what we call the transfiguration in the church. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. You all wore your transfiguration outfits, I see. Oh, it's always congregants' choice, so you got it right. You did fine. Transfiguration is this time when Jesus goes up onto this mountain with three of his disciples, so there are people there to bear witness, and this blinding light comes, and there they encounter Moses and Elijah, their ancestors. If you're into Star Wars, it's like seeing Obi-Wan and Yoda in the cloud. If you're not, don't you? It's okay. You'll get through the sermon. But it's this powerful moment of seeing their spiritual forebears. And from the clouds, from the heavens, God's voice comes out and says, This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. And you could read that story, encounter that story as a message from God in Jesus saying, among many other things, this is your sign that the universe is kind. This is my gift to you to answer in the affirmative that there is something good at the heart of it all. And then there's this second reading, again, obscure, as I mentioned earlier, but this strange figure named Melchizedek. He's only mentioned twice in the Older Testament, and just for small sections. And he's notable for our purposes today for two reasons. One, you may have picked up on, if you were still listening, by that second reading. He was described as having no mother or father, no genealogy, no beginning, and no end, no birth and no death. Do not get lost in the biology of this. <laughs> You'll be spinning all day. He's an emblem of eternity, a priest that 
intercedes for all time. And that's the one to whom the author of Hebrews compares Christ. John would agree, in the beginning was the word, right? So Christ is the one who is without beginning and without end, the high priest forevermore interceding on our behalf. At the heart of all things is a kindness. The second thing that's notable you may have missed, and I wouldn't blame you because it was hidden in the language. Melchizedek is described as a priest of the God most high, the most high God. Now, you might think, well, of course, he's a priest, most high God. Move it along. Except the most high God is not the God you worship. It's not the God Jesus worshipped. It's not even the God that Abraham worshipped and Melchizedek blessed Abraham. The most high God was a foreign God, probably a Canaanite God. Now, think of the implications for that. Jesus Christ is being compared to a priest from a foreign people, of a foreign God, not bound by the people's tradition. Some of you may have gone to see John Philip Newell last weekend at First Presbyterian San Rafael, where he stopped on his California tour. Newell, this great Celtic teacher. And he tells a story about teaching with a rabbi at a retreat, and in between sessions, he was overcome with emotion when he was hit with the revelation about Jesus that he's not ours. That Jesus came for all people. He's to be beheld by all people, but held by no one in particular. Newell's language is sprinkled throughout the prayers for today, the light within all light. So here we have Christ who is eternal, who belongs not to us, but to the whole world as gift, as sign from the universe, that there is kindness at the heart of it all. Christians have been seeing Christ in all things since the beginning. Rob Bell in his book, Love Wins, talks about this tendency in the, in the Christian faith from the outset to do that. And to do so, he talks of this Old Testament story where Moses is leading the people through the wilderness and they're thirsty in the desert. And so what does Moses do? He strikes the rock with a staff and what comes out of the rock but water bursts for, for the people to drink. And as Bell puts it, a thousand years later, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, Christ was the one in the rock. That was Christ. Paul, in Bell's words, sees Christ everywhere. Sees Christ everywhere. Bell says, Jesus is the ultimate exposing of what God has always been up to and always will be up to. Not bound by time, not bound by people or ethnicity or culture or even tradition. Boundless always there to access in the form of courage, in the form of wisdom, in the form of peace, of strength, of understanding, if we would but learn to recognize the Christ in the rock. And sometimes the Christ smacks us right in the face or meets us right when we're being smacked. Bell tells a story in that very chapter when he's telling those biblical stories about a man who was working in a warehouse or a factory and he's working on a lift. He's a hundred feet up in the air and something goes tragically wrong and he gets pinned by the lift and a wall or a shelf and he's dangling there. And as happens in these kinds of stories, he blacks out and then he sees a light, a blinding light, not all that dissimilar from the transfiguration, by the way. And in that light, he hears a revelation and an invitation. And the revelation is that his life is not in sync with what it should be. It's out of alignment. And the invitation is to bring his life back in alignment with how he should be living. And he accepts that invitation. Christ, the heart of all things, even the hardest of all things, there for us. 
Now, maybe that's all you need to hear today. That there's this universal something. Jeff referred to it as the force, which is this invisible force, which is perfect wording. Bell says, you know, cultures have always talked about this. The Greeks called it zoe. The mystics called it spirit. Luke called it the force. Star Wars again. Can't escape it. Maybe all you need to hear today is that invisible force is there and real and pulling for you. If that's so, if it was all you could do to get here because you needed that encouragement for today, you have my permission to go. You could, Bruce, did, did you bring donut holes? <laughs> donut holes are out there. Coffee is hot. Birds are singing. You're done. Come back for the music. But no, thank you, bro. Nobody ever takes me up on it. <laughs> You can absolutely go. No, I, nobody ever is brave enough. So feel free to go. That may really be all you need because sometimes it's all you do, can do to get out of bed and get to church because you're not sure you're going to get out of bed. But for the rest of us, there, that setup raises two whatabouts, two wait a minutes. Here's what I mean. Number one, if Jesus is a sign that the universe is kind, why wasn't the universe kinder to Jesus? He had a remarkably short career. Depending on which gospel you read, his ministry lasted from one to three years. He barely made it through the lectionary cycle. <laughs> he was rejected by family, by his own people, embraced by some, ridiculed by others, ultimately shamed, tortured, and killed. And yes, resurrected. And, and yes, he felt there was something good enough at the center of it that he was so close to that he called it dad. That's what he called God, dad. So he must have believed there was something that good at the center of it. And at the very end, he felt that dad had betrayed him and abandoned him and left him. Some will say, oh, he was just quoting the Psalms. Read it for yourself and decide. I think his abandonment was real. The universe was not, at least in a traditional framing, all that kind to him. Maybe in the end and maybe sprinkled throughout, but boy, it was not without opposition or struggle or pain or hardship or fear or any of those things that we experience. Second, maybe you've had that blinding light whether from a traumatic incident or just in a moment of prayer. Wonderful if you've had that. But maybe you've lived your whole life waiting to have that experience and it's never come. Or maybe you've in, in, uh, inhabited a rather hostile world to you or to your people. Maybe the world has just felt indifferent to you. And you ask and you don't even get an answer. Then what? What do we make of not Einstein's question? Well, maybe we realized Einstein, pretty smart guy, didn't ask it. Maybe we shouldn't be either. Maybe it's not the right question, whether or not the universe is kind or hostile. Let's go back to the transfiguration. Jesus goes up the mountain, brings his disciples, encounters his ancestors, meets God in the light and in the cloud. And God says, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Now, what did Jesus ask of us? What did he teach us in his words and in his deed? Was he most concerned with convincing us the universe was kind? There was some of that, I think. I think most of all, what Jesus was asking us is whether we are kind whether we are willing to be just, whether we are willing to be good. Think of it this way. We ask the universe, are you kind? The universe sends us Jesus. Jesus asks us if we're kind. Might be the better set of questions to ask. Paul Farmer died this week after I'd written a draft of this sermon. It's a crime to give Paul Farmer only two minutes in a sermon. He could have a year of proclamation. 
If you don't know who Farmer was, he was an MD and a PhD from Harvard, founder of Partners in Health, gave his life so that the poorest of the poor could have better health care, better treatment. If you haven't read Tracy Kidder's book, Mountains Beyond Mountains, about his time in Haiti working around tuberculosis, you must read it. Go home today and, and start it. Farmer said, the belief that some people's lives are worth less than others is the root of all that's wrong with the world. And it's not that he's saying, don't believe that's true. It's the reality that we, we, we treat some peoples as worth less than others. That's the heart of everything that's wrong. And this is why certain groups of people have been crying out saying, our lives matter too. We just want you to recognize that our, matters lot, our lives matter as much as yours. And so we just want the same treatment. question for us is, will we live into a world that accepts that challenge and that invitation, answering the true question of whether or not we will be kind? Paul finds Christ in the rock. Now the question is, can we find Christ in ourselves? Amen. We are hoping that you'll join us for this next song. It's in your hymnal. Shine, Jesus, shine, one of my favorite transfiguration songs. We're going to start with the chorus where it says, shine, Jesus, shine. Um, Dominic and I, in order to use some inclusive language, are going to say, fill this land with the maker's glory rather than father's glory. But you're certainly welcome to use whatever word there you want. Um, and then we'll sing verses 1 and 3. Sounds like Dominic, say something into your ear. Hello. Of course, now it's working. <laughs> I don't know how you kept singing when I shoved a microphone in your face. <laughs> and how y'all kept playing when I was running around like crazy. But it worked, right? All right, here we go. One, two, three, four. Shine. Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the maker's glory. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. 
And you may be seated. We have a lot going on here in the life of the church. Please check out all the announcements in the bulletin. I have several to highlight for you. First, uh, this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the season of Lent. And we did not get our Ash Wednesday um, announcement updated. We are going to have two Ash Wednesday services, one at 9.30 a.m., the other at 5.30 p.m. Um, so you're welcome to choose whichever of those services works best for you. As well, we have put together a Lenten devotional guide written by many of you, as a matter of fact. Um, we have a few copies printed. They're on the table in the narthex as you leave. We're trying not to print too many copies to be earth-friendly, so um, if you're comfortable um, reading it online, you can find the devotional guide under the members section of our website. As well, if you receive the e-news, there's a link directly to a PDF in the e-news. You can just click on that. If you don't get the e-news and want to, let me know and I'll make sure we add you to the list. Um, next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month. That means that it's Communion Sunday, so you are invited to bring your own communion elements something to eat something to drink doesn't have to be bread and juice but it can if you are unable to do that we will have the single serve elements available for you as well we're trying to encourage the first sunday of the month to also be diaper duty sunday we collect diapers and um, that we donate to the canal alliance there's a huge need for diapers you're of course welcome to bring them anytime but we're putting a special emphasis on the first sunday of the month um, the grief workshop that begins this Thursday has actually moved online for the first two sessions. It'll be via Zoom. If you haven't yet had a chance to register for that and are interested, there's an Eventbrite link, again, in the e-news or on the website, or you can see Karen Halsey if you have any questions. 
you register for that through Eventbrite, then you'll get the Zoom link to join in that. Um, and then finally, I just have to announce this because it's so much fun. There's benefit concerts this weekend. Um, Barbara Kessel and I are singing, but I have to say, it is a talented group of singers. I've, I don't know about you, I just feel honored to be singing with them, um, singing music from Godspell um, in order to uh, raise money for the street chaplaincy. Um, so if you want to catch one of those uh, this weekend, um, they're over at the uh, First Presbyterian Church in San Anselmo. Barbara has little informational business cards there for you. Um, or you can go to Street Chaplaincy uh, website to, to find out more information about that. Um, but again, lots happening. Uh, check out your bulletin, and then Rob has one more. Yes, in light of the events of recent days, there's a hymn that just keeps coming to me. And so this morning I asked uh, last second, in fact, middle of the last service, if Patty would be so gracious as to change the closing hymn. And she agreed, and uh, so I hope you'll join me in uh, singing instead hymn number 307 for our closing hymn. Would you please rise in body or spirit? See 
friends, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and who is Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with us this day, be with us every day. Alleluia. Amen.